Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of his word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, experts in engaging children with the word of God. Together, we will make sure that you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome back, friends, to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Steidler, and today you are hearing episode 76. Have you ever felt a nudge from God to help the poor and orphaned, as scripture so often talks about? Well, the past several episodes have touched on God's redeeming love and the value of life. And today is continuing that theme through a glimpse into one couple's journey through the foster care system. We get to step into Tyler and Monica Herr's lives just for a moment. You'll hear their desire to obey the Lord, how they seek Him through unexpected twists and turns, and their biggest praise, which they're currently walking through, redemption unfolding through adoption. I just know your heart will be warmed by the hers story, and you may even be prompted to share how your life has been touched by adoption or foster care. So to join this conversation, head on over to our website, bible2school.com. That's bible, the number two, school.com, and click on the Contact Us tab. We'd love to hear how God is leading your family. While you're on our website, be sure to check out the show notes to this episode. You'll find a great resource for all things foster care and adoption. You can search by state for an agency near you, review many FAQs, check out links to support groups, and even education and trainings. So without further ado, let's join Corey's conversation with the hers right now. Well, hi, Monica and Tyler. Thanks so much for being with us on our podcast today. Hello. Yes. Hi, Corey. We are talking today about valuing life and valuing children especially those children in need of our help. I mean, families in crisis who need our help, foster care, adoption, things like that. It's January, Respect Life Month. And I heard your story and it's such a great one. I really want our listeners to hear it today. It's very inspiring and it involves coming alongside a family in crisis, caring for children and valuing them through stepping up and becoming a foster parent. And there's some twists and turns that God did along the way. So I'm, I'm, we're all anxious to hear. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Tyler and Monica? How many children you have, their ages, what you do for a living? Yeah, well, I am Tyler and I am a teacher. I'm a middle school teacher. I teach math and science. So I definitely have a passion for, for kids. We currently have three kids, ages 15, 14, and 13. And some things I like to do, I like to play board games with family, friends, always a good time around the table, and like to follow Philadelphia sports teams would be a big hobby of mine as well. Especially when they're winning, right? That makes Mm -hmm. it more enjoyable, for sure. (laughs) And for you, Monica, too? (laughs) Yeah, I work as a nurse, as a nurse case manager, actually, for an outpatient neuro rehab program. And so I do that part-time. Hobbies. I like to garden. Specifically, I started growing dahlias this past year. Oh, those are pretty. Cutting dahlias. Just, it gave me so much joy to look at these beautiful 
blooms. Ty can attest to me showing him, asking for his appreciation of the blooms to be as much as I, as much as I love them. As he's um, running in the house, look, looking for sports to look on a TV, Philadelphia right. sports to look yes. on TV. Yes, exactly. Wow. Well, we so appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Let's start at the beginning of your story. When did you begin thinking about serving and valuing children belonging to families in crisis through this foster care system? So I believe we had talked about it early on in our relationship as far as as a couple that we could see growing our family through foster care or adoption at some point. We had gone to an informational meeting with a local foster care agency just out of curiosity. We weren't really ready to do it yet, but we wanted to know a little more. And then in 2014, we had been married about nine months or so, I was diagnosed with a type of lymphoma in my eyes. And so as that process progressed, a lot of time was passing where we weren't even allowed from a medical standpoint to try to have biological children. And we started mulling over the possibility of starting the foster care process, not necessarily with the intention to adopt, but just as a way that we could be used by the Lord and and use our resources. We were feeling like we had been given a lot and weren't at a stage yet where we could have children biologically. And so that threw a lot of prayer and we kind of got to that stage at different points, but we both felt like there were some strong words from the Lord or yeah, pushing us in that direction. And so that started things. We went to another informational meeting at a local private foster care and adoption agency and went through the process. Well, hold on a second. Let me ask a quick question first. I mean, Tyler, you know, your your wife is going through, you know, these treatments and, you know, you're you're thinking about like about fostering and all that kind of stuff. But what prompted you? What why did you want to get involved in this? Yeah, I, I think it's something that was always on our hearts. I think we both have uh, a passion for youth and for children in a couple of different ways. I mean, we led junior high at our church together for many years and just felt like we could see our house being a place for children to kind of come and go as as needed. And I remember one conversation we had actually with one of my friends, he had said, you know, with how how clear the Bible is that we should be helping the widow and the orphan, we could go really Old Testament, New Testament, we'll see the Lord defending the fatherless and just read in Deuteronomy about like um, executing justice for uh, the widow and the orphan. Mm. And James 127 is pretty explicit. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And just feeling like this constant theme throughout the Bible that should it be not so much that we ask, God, are you calling me to adopt? Are you calling me to foster or or to help the orphan in some way? But rather, should we be asking the question, God, are you not calling me to adopt? That our mindset should be more that we want to see that as a given and that we won't pursue right. that unless we feel like God's calling us away from that. Now, I don't know how that works out for you know each individual listener, but that really stuck with us. And felt like, yeah, we have this command and we don't want to ignore it just because it might be uncomfortable or more difficult. And I think that really played a role that we we came back to, you know, multiple times. 
I love that. Yeah, you're right. James 127 is very clear about looking after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And so physically, though, Monica, things came out okay with your lymphoma, correct? Yes. Praise the Lord. It was a slow-growing form of lymphoma and something that they knew just how to treat. It just took a lot of time to be fully healed from it. So it was a long, it was about four years of like intermittent treatment. And yeah, in the meantime, though, you're on this journey with foster care, getting your toe in the water, it sounds like, right? Right. And thankfully, the types of treatments that I was getting, it was very intermittent and not chemo. It wasn't anything really debilitating. So 90% of the time or more, I felt like my normal self. And so, yeah, we felt like the Lord clearly opened doors for us to keep moving forward. And we kept getting good news that it was responding to treatment and all of that. And so, yeah, we felt good about moving forward. Great. And so then what happened next? So we started the licensing process with a local agency, probably, I guess it would have been in 2016. And it took About nine months, which that timeline can vary greatly depending on the agency you're working with and how quickly you do your part and all of that. So that would have involved training and interviews and a home safety survey or evaluation. And so by 2017, towards the beginning of the year, we were fully licensed through that agency. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the fostering is really trying to get families in crisis help Mm -hmm. so that they can reunify the whole idea of, so did you go in thinking you're going to adopt, foster, or or what what was your thinking on that? Yeah. I mean, we were seeing ourselves more as just foster parents to, you know, Mm -hmm. bring kids in and your question is a good one because you'll often hear a term like foster to adopt. And we were told pretty early on, well, that's not necessarily a thing. There there are cases that are maybe more likely, but foster care in and of itself is meant to reunify kids with their parents. Like that is the ultimate mm-hmm. goal every time. So yes, that that was our that was our plan. That was what we envisioned. To come alongside a family and support them, especially the kids, value the kids, do your do what you can with, like you said, with your resources mm-hmm. to help them through this time while their parents get help. We knew that adoption could come up as an option as well throughout this whole process. And we we weren't going to turn away from that necessarily. So we knew or we were ready for that to be an option at some point and, you know, would always consider it if it, if it mm-hmm. came up. So you're just taking it one step at a time. Yeah. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Why do bad things happen to good people? This is a terrific question and one we ask as adults too. Our human nature naturally assumes that if someone is good, that good things should happen to them in return. And if we're honest, our human nature for justice seems satisfied when something bad happens to someone we don't like. Nowhere in the Bible does God promise that bad things won't happen to good people. In fact, it's just the opposite. He promises that his followers will endure trials. And it is often through these trials that he draws us closer to relying on him and his strength and glory are revealed when we do rely on him. So Monica, tell me what happened. I think 2017, you said something happened. Yeah, so we had gotten a few calls 
some of which we had said yes to, some of which just didn't feel like they were feasible. We had said that we were open to children ages five to 12. And we said one to two at a time is what we were feeling like we had the capacity for. Eventually, maybe two or three weeks into where we were at the point where we were receiving calls, we got a call. I got a call on a random weekday while Ty was teaching, asking if we would consider taking in three boys. They were 10, nine, and seven, and they were waiting at the county courthouse needing a family that day, needing a place. Wow. And so we, I called while I tried to call Ty and enough times that he knew it was something that he needed to get back to me about promptly. (laughs) And so he called me at his first opportunity and we had a 10 to 15 minute conversation at the most where I basically filled him in on what I knew. There was a lot of silence as we both processed (laughs) what our response should be. The agency had said there was the potential, there was the option of saying yes to one or two. If we didn't feel like we could accept all three, they said, we know your preference or, you know, what you said you're able to do is two. So even that would be helpful because we're going to have a difficult time placing three biological siblings at these ages all in the same place. Wow. I have three boys and wow, I don't know if I could take 10 to 15 minutes and decide (laughs) that, you know, because boys are a lot of energy. They're wonderful. They're just a lot of energy. I wish we had a recording of that voice of that conversation because (laughs) it was a lot of, yeah, just him hauling around and trying to decide like where would they even sleep like we have mm-hmm. we right. have the ability that for the first couple of nights one was on a futon and one was on a mattress just on the floor and uh mm-hmm. we were you know kind of scrambling around getting some resources which and- those are technically considered like those are acceptable places they're considered having space they're not intended to be long-term solutions obviously but they were comfortable right. with that for you know the two days until we could buy some bunk beds and get everything set up in a better way. So obviously you said yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So yes, at the end of that conversation, we said, yes, we both felt felt at peace about it. And so I drove about 45 minutes. It was from a neighboring county and picked them up and brought them back here. It was very, yeah. I mean, they were like deer in headlights, had an experience much outside of their very urban culture and, and home environment. And so they were taken aback by our more rural setting. And yeah, that would be different, wouldn't it? Sites. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the sites, all the animals, all the smells, all of it. <laughs> so, yeah, as often happens with foster care, it can be a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, we were told when we said yes that they were considered, it was considered a high legal risk placement, which just means they're thinking it's likely that they'll be able to be reunified, that this is going to be a temporary placement just while parents can work on some things, get stable, a more stable living situation and that sort of thing. We were okay with that because we in, in anticipated doing foster care long-term potentially with kids in and out. And so things at times looked promising for reunification and at times did not. So it kind of went, it kind of went back and forth, huh? So how how did you guys feel during that time? Many different ways. (laughs) So you want to, and our our heart was definitely for reunification, for there to be this ideal situation where family was healed and whole and, and capable of doing 
all that they needed to to care for them. But obviously we loved having them with us as well and knew that at least in this situation, in the current state, that was what was best for them. Yeah. And for the boys too, they had a lot of mixed emotions about it as well. Of course, wanting to be with their birth family, but understanding that they were old enough to, to get it, to know what was going on that was keeping them from being able to do that at this time. And so you, so you um, had the idea of not adoption and you had a piece with that. What's unique about your situation is it went on for a while. Like, it, like you were telling me that most parents' rights are terminated at 15 months, like average or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you, you were saying, you, I mean, this is 2017, you're, you're still, you still have them in 2019, correct? Yeah. So 2019, there was a time where it was not looking like things were going to work out for reunification. And we didn't really feel at peace about long-term, like about adoption or what that looked like. We weren't really sure why that was, but we had told the agency at least see if there would be a family. Maybe there's this ideal situation out there. And that's why we're not feeling at peace about saying wholeheartedly yes Mm -hmm. to this. Shortly after that, there was a court hearing to kind of update on the plan. And actually from that hearing, it was looking like actually reunification was going to be possible. And so we kind Mm. of breathed a sigh of relief, like, oh, that must be why we didn't feel at peace about it. Like the Lord knew that this was going to actually be what was going to happen and was maybe even guarding our hearts a little bit or, or whatever in the midst of that. And so we took steps towards reunification. The county was making some arrangements. They were starting to have longer visitations and overnight visits. And then in about 24 hours, the plan changed abruptly. We weren't told all the details of what exactly that was, but we got a call saying that a visit that was supposed to happen for three nights was not going to happen. Over the time of that visit, we had arranged for childcare on either side of that extended visit so that we could go and visit friends in Arkansas. Oh, so you're going on vacation. We were going on vacation. (laughs) Okay. About 24 hours before our flight was supposed to leave, we got this call saying that this visitation is off and the county will likely be asking you again if you are going to be an adoptive option. So while you're gone, if you can make the childcare arrangements to still go, think about what your answer is going to be when they ask you. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So what, Tyler, what was what was happening? What kind of conversation was happening on that vacation? Yeah. Well, we, again, were very unsure of what we wanted to do. I know in the airport, we had just talked a little bit. I think our flight was delayed of kind of where we were at, but weren't really sure. Well, while we're waiting, we might as well <laughs> address the elephant in the room. Yeah. And I think we can both picture ourselves sitting in a restaurant in a text mix restaurant. Yeah, yeah. We can picture right where we were at in this restaurant. And Monica just asked me, so what are you thinking at this point? Like, what's your gut? Like, yeah. if you had to decide <laughs> right now, what would your answer be? And I just kind of paused and I was like, I think I would say yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, me too. <laughs> she was like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling too. And why were you guys feeling that way? The it Lord. Yeah, it is the Lord. There's no real good explanation in the physical or anything that we can identify. Mm -hmm. It just feels like, yeah, throughout we were asking for the Lord's guidance and his provision for them, his provision for their birth family, that 
he ultimately, I felt like my prayer was often, Lord, you know what's best for everyone in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, let let that be so. Well, this has has a, we say, celebrate this. We talked about this. You celebrated that you you did adopt the three boys and you are young. You have you have, so you're you're having older children here and you're you're young. So you're kind of jumping in with both feet. But you were telling me that that it was a sad and a happy time to celebrate with family, right? Yeah. So their adoption day, I remember maybe a week prior as we were starting to talk about what are we going to do to celebrate? We had some conversations with the boys about, you know, we we don't want to ignore the fact that this is also a hard day for you guys, mm-hmm. that this isn't all, yay, congratulations, so happy. There's a lot of hurt and brokenness that caused this day to, to cause us to be at this point. Yeah, we did celebrate. They wanted to celebrate. They had a great, they had a sure. great, it was, you know, sure. a day of just spoiling, spoiling <laughs> them and, and celebrating with extended family. And it was really great. But yeah, we didn't want to do any of that without also acknowledging that it comes from a place of, of hurt and of trauma and, and brokenness. And so, yeah. And I mean, that really is the story. Like we celebrate the redemption, Lord redeeming all things, but at the same time, yeah, long for like the fullness of that redemption. We still long for the full healing for their birth family and all of those things. Well, it's, at Bible to School, which we we work with lots of children, lots of children in foster care that are, that are adopted, and when we start saying things like Galatians four, where it says, "But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons." Mm-hmm. And these kids perk up and are like, "Oh, hey, I I'm adopted," or. You know, and and so what a beautiful metaphor, uh, what what a beautiful example of what it is to be adopted into the kingship, into the family of God. Mm -hmm. So you guys are living that, and I think that is so, so cool. It is, it seems like a roller coaster, but yet, like you said in the beginning, Tyler, it's a command to help the widows and orphans. And so I love that you're doing this. You had to had to have seen God work through this foster care adoption journey. I mean, you had to have seen something happen within the lives uh, around you or in you or in, in the boys' lives. What kind of the God things did you see happen? Yeah, so one of the big things recently, well, I guess it started about a year ago. Our boys went with their grandfather to a music festival. And when they came home, our oldest said, I committed my life to the Lord while I was there and I want to get baptized. When can I get baptized? Oh, wow. And how old was he? At the time, 14. 14. Wow. 14-year-old comes home and says that. Beautiful. Beautiful. So there was lots of rejoicing. So he was baptized uh, just this past fall. It was a really, a huge answer to prayer. I mean, more than anything, what we want for them, what we have wanted for them is for them to know the Lord, not just to have assimilated into our family culture or into our community and into our church, just because it's what we do in this family, but to actually know, know him as their savior, know him personally and deeply. It was really an amazing time of celebration. I gave a testimony uh, at our church. We had, I had just gone back to listen to that to see if I could pull anything from what he said. 
So he did his own testimony at the baptism. Yes. Wow. Did. It was completely his own. I did look over it once, but yeah, I mean, it was all his words. And yeah, at one point he had, he had just mentioned how he felt, you know, God was moving in his life. He understood that there was a time in his life where he was living in a car with actually no good Christian influences. And now he's living in a nice house with wonderful parents and many godly people to guide him in his walk with God. Did you cry when you heard that? <laughs> that that was an emotional yeah time just to see yeah that kind of redemption story. I will say with him too, being the oldest when they were adopted, we gave him the middle name of Judah. He had actually gone from being a junior um, named after his dad to now kind of getting this new name. We kept his first name, and we felt like this middle name Judah was this thought of like the line, the line of Judah that Christ comes out of and seeing him as like the start of a new line. And, you know, the line of Judah is really messy. You know, when you go through Jesus, oh, yeah. lineage, you know, it, yes, it's really messy. And yet Jesus is like, this is my line. You know, I, I will bring redemption from this line of Judah and just to see him be baptized and to see some sort of like mark of that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is awesome. Adopted into your family and then adopted into the family of God. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful. I, we got to wrap this up guys. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I loved how God worked through all of this, through you and through, through the boys and the families. What advice would you give if there's somebody out there thinking, man, I, I have a tug on my heart that I might want to value children in this way, that I might, there's children out there that need people that need that through the foster and adoption system. What would you say to them? Yeah, I think there would be a lot of small steps you can take. Prayer is a big one. And maybe we just say that as cliche, but that really does make a difference even in the way that the Lord leads. And we thought of some practical ways you could kind of get started on this journey. But before I say that, I was just thinking of this one quote I had heard where sometimes we can pray, God, open a door, open a door. Like, where should I go, God? What do you want me to do? And sometimes we just need to pray, God, I'm going to walk through that door. And if it's the wrong one, just shut it. <laughs> and to have that <laughs> active mindset of like, hey, I'm going to take this step. And I, I'm not 100% sure if it's what you want, but like, please guide me instead of just sitting still and hoping that something magically opens up. I think that can be a great way to think of things. So yeah, there, there would be different ways that you could get started in the process. You could find an agency, either government or private agency. Um, like we did, we went to a meeting. Like an informational session. That's really where it starts, right? Yep. And there are no commitment. You just show up and mm -hmm. you can walk away and never return if you feel like it's not for you. I think also if you're already feeling that tug on your heart, a good resource is just finding a family that's already in your circle or in your community who has done it. Having right. that support system of people mm -hmm. who have shared those experiences was really, really helpful for yeah. us and still is. We actually still have a group from our church that meets regularly of like foster and adoptive parents. But in the same way, if you're not necessarily feeling like I'm going to start foster care, this, this is for me for sure. Even just being a support for a family who's currently in the thick of foster care, whether that's offering to babysit on a regular basis, offering to pick up groceries, to be the transportation to a birth family visit, 
there are a lot of ways that you can just be a support for people who are doing it. Or even collecting like a clothes for like, because when you had an emergency, I mean, you don't have any clothes. Sometimes they come to you. And I remember uh, I had a friend who asked me to take her daughter last minute uh, when she was in a crisis situation. And I have all boys. So I had a 10 year old girl coming and I had one friend who had girls and I'm like, what do I do? You know, and she brought over dolls and I didn't have dolls, you know, I didn't have anything like that. So yeah, being that that person, it's being the body of Christ, right? Just being yeah. that person to, mm-hmm. to come in and help. And it gives you a little taste of, of what it's like, right? Yeah. yeah. And that support system is huge. I mean, we had people bringing us meals for the first, oh, at least two months. People were so generous, Aww. just kept bringing us meals. We had no kids. We went from zero to three overnight. Kids games, kids books, clothes, Lego sets. Just we very quickly had everything that we needed without (laughs) having to do much of the work on our own. And it was just huge. It really felt like it alleviated so much of the burden. Awesome. Well, we all loved hearing your story today. Thank you for sharing it with us and how you walk. Literally, you walked with God on this journey. You really listened to him. You obeyed. Thank you for valuing these this family and these children. And just a beautiful example of God adopting us into his family. So thank you so much, Tyler and Monica. Hey, Tyler, can I ask you to, to pray for us to end this? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Well, God, we thank you for this opportunity and we thank you for all that you're doing through this podcast and just the desire we see here to invest in children and to share your love to those around us, God, and especially to the youth and the young people around us. God, we thank you that while we were spiritual orphans, you came and you adopted us, that you brought us into your family and gave us a new name and redeemed us. And there's nothing we can do to ever lose that, God. We can never lose our standing as your child because of what you did. And I thank you that you give us the opportunity to walk that out in our own lives through this process of adoption. And I pray for anyone listening right now that might just be feeling provoked in any way. God, I I pray that that nudge would would not die down, that you would continue to push any listener that wants to take that first step, that they would do that to experience what you have for them. And yeah, this lovely picture of adoption that you mapped out for us ultimately on the cross, Lord. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for all that you're doing through this podcast. Lord, continue to be glorified in everything. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Wow. I just want to say thank you, Tyler and Monica, for sharing your journey with us. I think of that phone call that totally changed their lives. In just 15 minutes, they had to decide if they would say yes or no to three boys who would one day become their family. I love how their story parallels the gospel, how once we say yes to Jesus, We are adopted into God's family. We become his sons and daughters. We're redeemed. Tyler reminded us that their adoption ceremony was a celebration, yet it was also a loss. They will continue to yearn for the full redemption of the boy's birth family, and so it is with us. We rejoice knowing our place in the kingdom of God, yet yearn for the day when we will live in perfect unity with all creation, where everything is redeemed and all life is valued. How about you? Have you felt a tug on your heart to help the orphans? 
Or have you thought about ways in which you can come alongside families who are? I love the ideas Monica gives us to be the body of Christ to those who are walking this journey. If you or someone you know would like more information about adoption or foster care, jump on over to our show notes where you'll find a link to a national search engine that will guide those very important first steps. You'll find our show notes at BibleToSchool.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. Then click on the resource tab to connect with today's episode. And lastly, have you heard about the new movie coming out in February called Jesus Revolution? Tune in here next week to hear from one of the producers about this true story of a national spiritual awakening that started with a bunch of teenage hippies. And while you go about your week, remember, you can tell the children about the redeeming love of Jesus.